blind hog and acorn comes from the old saying, even a blind hog picks up an acorn every now and then, or some variation thereof. It is said to have been first read in classical literature, neither Greek or Latin. Blind hog first heard it when he was in high school playing football. His team had won its first game against all odds. Afterwards, coach said, well, even a blind hog picks up an acorn every now and then. And the team did not win another game. I first thought that this was a euphemism, but when I looked up the definition, I was mistaken. The saying is really an idiom, a string of words which make no sense until explained. A euphemism is a candy-coated term for something that is thought to be, well, a bit unpleasant. The prefix eu or u means good or well back from the good old Greek days, So we have the term euphemism, literally, a good word. Well, think how euphemisms are used today, and one of my first thoughts was the example of feminine protection. Protection from what? From who? Where is the pepper spray in those tasers? Oh, women have to be protected from themselves. Those products just like Voldemort, are things that cannot be named. Oh, sure, baby diapers can have diapers labeled loud and proud on the aisle signage, but woe be all of us if menstrual products were called by their real names. Toilet paper? Nope. It's bathroom tissue. Give me a break. But let me tell you, Whoever decides to stock chocolate candy and Oreos in that feminine protection aisle will become a local hero. But I digress. This got me thinking of other you words. You crossword magicians and Scrabble wizards probably know all of them. Euphemism, like I have mentioned before. Eulogy, with simply put, means a good story. There's eurythmics. Sweet dreams were made of this. Oh, sorry. A good rhythm or beat. And then there's euphonia, which sounds good. Sounding good, but having a rather evil meaning, is the word eugenics. Well, isn't that a contradiction? How can we gloss over the planned breeding and non-breeding selection of human beings? (laughs) We'll call it eugenics. And then there's euthanasia, a good death. And by that, I mean a quick and painless exit from our world. Here on the farm, that is something I've become familiar with, which brings me to two recent stories that I can share with you about happenings here on the farm. Hammer and Buttercup. Hammer was a 17-year-old Dexter cow. She had a genetic condition called chondrodysplasia, common in her breed, which meant that she was born with shorter legs, or cannon bones, 
and ran the chance to develop arthritis and joint problems later in life. Irish Dexter cattle are a dual-purpose breed, tri-purpose if you include using them as draft animals like oxen, but for beef and milk, they are hard to beat, especially for a small acreage farmer. They were originally developed in Ireland and came to the United States in the early 1900s. Their size is less than half of today's modern cattle breeds, and Hammer's back was just a little taller than your kitchen countertop. Over the many years we had her, Hammer had been a good producing cow, but had begun to slow down. She was old for a cow and had not had a calf for a couple years, even though she had been out with a bull. Bow-legged and slow, walking had become painful for Hammer, and I knew last summer that the upcoming winter would just be too hard on her. We had sold our bull back in January and had another lined up to pick up in August. There was a long period in between, and Hammer did not calve, so we knew she wasn't bred. Hammer needed to be put down. Now, there's another euphemistic idiom for you. But I could not bear wasting her for naught. Our own freezer was well stocked, so I called the neighbor to see if she needed beef. Oh my gosh, yes, we would love to get beef, but I can't eat meat from something that I've looked in the eye, Colleen said. And she also said that she would love to take it, as long as she didn't have to drive Hammer to the butcher. She did not want to see Hammer alive. I told her I had my own issue as well, as I didn't want Hammer to take the big ride, bouncing around in the back of a trailer. Colleen could have the beef, but only if she paid for an on-farm kill. This meant the processor would have their guys come out to our farm and do the deed. Hammer would not have to ride 40 minutes to the processor, where she would certainly smell death. On the appointed day, Hammer was in a paddock by the house when the guys pulled up. They drove a pickup they had secondhand from an oil well drilling operation, complete with a nice stainless steel bed and a hoist. Two young guys, they might have been in their early 20s, got out. Hammer watched them approach, totally unconcerned. When the rifle was drawn and fired, she did not know anything more. It was done just like that. Within 30 minutes, Hammer went from an old cow to something you would recognize hanging in a meat locker. The guys took everything, and I mean everything. Wrapping the inner parts and bits within the hide, they had even a pressurized water tank and washed down the grass. Due to her arthritis, Hammer had not moved fast for several years, so I knew she would still be tender. Now, wait, don't get all squeamish on me. No, really, think about it. We gave her a great life here on the farm, and now she can give nourishment to our neighbors. Colleen might not be able to eat a burger after seeing it watch her, but I have the opposite problem. I want to know where my meat is from, even if that also means knowing who it was. Ordering a burger from a restaurant, knowing it was from some anonymous steer in an overcrowded feedlot? No, thank you. Betty Jean is in our freezer now, 
and although she had a less-than-ideal attitude for a cow, she is great as a beef. Obviously, euthanasia can lead to the sustenance of others, and then again, it can also be the final act in itself. Back in Virginia, one of my patients knew I had goats and gave me a children's book, The Goat Lady by Jane Brigoli. On the cover is a pudgy grandma in well-worn clothes, one support stocking pulled up, the other off, and beside her, an old sonnin nanny. Think of this book as the crazy cat lady, but instead of cats, she had goats living in her house. It is an adorable and true story. Once we came to Missouri and had been here a couple years, we traded with some folks, you know, the way Ozarks people do, and we exchanged a Dexter steer for three dairy goats, one of which was a Sonnen, just like in the book. Solid white, erect ears, and a no-nonsense attitude, Buttercup grew to be the undisputed herd queen. She milked well and would follow me anywhere. But then years marched on as they are wont to do. Buttercup, like Hammer, did not have any offspring as late, and she was high up in goat years. She contracted pneumonia and was having a tough time. Her teeth were also wearing down, and I was having trouble keeping weight on her. One day she would be up and walking, seemingly on the road to recovery, and the next day she would just lay in the sun. For several days I vacillated between putting her down or giving her another day. Of course, she let me know when it was time. One morning, after I had completed the morning field checks, I told my intentions. With the 22 on my waist, I walked up to the barn and sat down with Buttercup. She couldn't stand up on her own anymore. I told her what a good goat she had been, and then ended her suffering. Blind Hog came up in a bit with the tractor, and we gently lifted her body into the front end loader. We drove up to the glade and gave her a sky burial. I remembered the first time Buttercup had a kid. I was in the same glade, and I could hear her holler out all the way across the farm. When I got back to the old goat barn, there she was with a huge kid. He weighed over ten pounds. Six or seven is your typical good-sized average kid. And from then on, Buttercup would wait for me to be present in the barn when she kidded, as birthing was just too hard for a dairy queen to do unattended. Now Buttercup is a memory, a picture on the wall behind my computer, just like the goat on the cover of that book. Yep, it's call to action time again. Blind Hog and Acorn need your support. First, please go back to that happy place where you find your podcasts and subscribe to Blind Hog and Acorn. Second, give us that all-important rating. The more subscribers, episode downloads, and good ratings we get, the higher our rankings within the podcast networks will rise, which is the secret goal for any podcast out there right now. Rankings! High ones! With your help, we can get there. Well, you've heard the saying, you are what you eat. Now, isn't that an idiom for the books? 
Here on the farm, we try to be as self-sufficient as we can. No, we're not preppers, loading our secret bunker with grenade launchers and enough MRIs to last a year. But if you looked in our pantry, you would see loads of canning jars and hardly any processed food. Okay, I do have French's mustard in a big jar, but there are no boxes of cake mixes, macaroni and cheese, hamburger helper. Eh, you get the idea. Lots of staples are in their place. And you know, it takes hardly any time at all to stir a cake together from scratch than to mess with a cake from a box mix. Really, you might just be surprised. Planting a garden for fresh veggies doesn't have to be a big chore. You can set out vegetable starts in containers. Just a few tomato plants will bring you joy in the summer. Having a backyard chicken coop will not only supply you with the eventual eggs, you can figure 18 to 20 weeks for the fluffy peeps to lay their first egg, but also unending entertainment as chickens are just plain fun. We have nine hens and each has her own personality and habits. Our latest additions are four speckled Sussex hens, a smaller breed of multicolor birds, and they are talkers. They just talk, talk, talk all the time. Yesterday I was mowing part of the lawn with the push mower, and here they came, my own entourage, walking just ahead of me, grabbing up all the bugs that were spooked by the mower. You can order sexed peeps, so you get just pullets, which are females, and no cockerels or males. Super good if you live in a neighborhood. Hens will indeed lay eggs if there is no rooster. They just won't be fertilized and thus won't hatch. And yes, we process, as in butcher, our chickens. We did that for the first time in Virginia. Our order of straight-run assorted peeps were heavy on the rooster count, so we learned by doing. After the first one or two, we came up with a method that we still use to this day. After killing the chicken, we just skin it like a rabbit. Easy peasy. I like to can the chicken meat in pint jars, so being skinless works for me. Now, if you're one of those people who think that boneless, skinless chicken breasts are grown on styrofoam trays, well, I feel sorry for you. Fresh, locally grown chicken is a gustatory delight. That said, I realize most of you will not have your own chickens, cows, or goats. However, you are missing out on some of the most delicious food out there. Instead, you can find your local farmer's market and shop there. Our neighbors Ashley and Dave raise 100% grass-fed cattle, and they'll sell steers by the halves or holes. And when they advertise that they have one ready, it sells in a flash just as good, you can sign up with the CSA, Community Supported Agriculture Group. For a subscription fee, you'll get a box with an assortment of locally grown foods, sometimes even honey, meat, baked bread, and dairy products. I even read of a CSA program on the New England coast that dealt only with fresh seafood. 
Oh man, seafood. Now if that isn't something I do miss dearly. Once upon a time we had our own crab traps on the east coast and we would feast on steamed blue crabs eating till we could not stuff in another bite. We'd get saltwater fish of all kinds and the camping trips on the Outer Banks and the surf fishing all day and all the beer. God. The idea of fresh, not frozen seafood that's advertised around here is downright scary. We live too damn far away from the coast for fresh seafood. Please, have that stuff flash frozen. I mean, really. But I'm digressing again. Back to eating locally. You know, you just have to do the best you can with what you have. Learn to appreciate where your food comes from. Take a moment to give pause and think about it. I don't want to go off on a tangent with the word gratitude, but maybe just take a minute to think about the choices in your shopping cart. I know that when I go to the freezer for a package of ground beef, I'll be thanking Betty Jean as I do, and yes, I am grateful. Grateful indeed. Well, that'll wrap things up today from the farm. I've been out here on the porch with Sam, the farm dog, and he is stretched out in a sploot beside my feet. Last night he was chasing an armadillo out of the yard, and oh, that is such tiring work. I'm going to leave you today with a visit to our purple martin colony. Don't forget to subscribe to Blind Hog and Acorn and leave us that all-important rating while you're at it. Until later... Take care.